0: Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. Well, thanks to our worship team for leading us in that time. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 kind of in the middle of the the Bible there, Psalm 119. We're going to look at verses 81 through 88. Longest chapter in all of scripture. Psalm 119 verses 81 through 88. And today we're going to talk a little bit about an infuse, being infused with life. Infused with life from our Lord. Recently I watched an episode on AMC of the Salisbury poisonings. I don't know if you remember that being on the news. About three years ago, 2018, is when all this took place, uh, where there was an apparent biochemical attack over in Great Britain. And so this uh, program, this series, documents some of that. It's inspired, it's inspired by that true story, if you will. And, and so uh, one of the episodes had one of the detectives that had entered into the place where the attack took place. And he, he uh, contracted the, the very uh, toxic poison that was put out and that caused him to go into this shock of health and be placed in the hospital almost losing his life then he he fights it off he makes a recovery rejoins his family Uh, then they head out uh, to visit with their attorney because what had taken place is that the government came to their house took all of their possessions and destroyed it because they didn't want anything to spread they didn't want this toxic stuff to spread any further and so he goes to his attorney to find out how to recoup some of that, and there's really no answer because the policies and the things that he had in place would not cover a terrorist attack. And so all that he had known, not only the, the job that he, was, he was, had worked for for years, uh, the, the things that he had done in life, the family that he had, the, his home and his possessions, everything that he had known, everything that he had built in a moment, no longer there this is sort of what we see happening with the psalmist here the psalmist is facing this type of struggle as we read psalm 119 the author is facing this struggle with weariness with a longing with a desire for more his life doesn't resemble what he once knew you think we can relate to that somebody should say amen right life doesn't resemble what we once knew. And so this message today, it's important because as we feel the need to be revived and for life to be given, we turn to God's word to be infused with life that comes from our Heavenly Father. In today's passage, we will see just how dry the psalmist felt, how dry he was, yet the infusion of life that can only be given by the Lord himself. So let's read together. Beginning in verse 81 of Psalm 119. And, and this is what the psalmist records. I long for your salvation, I put my hope in your word. My eyes grow weary looking for what you have promised. I ask, When will you comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin dried by smoke, I do not forget your statutes. Verse 84. How many days must your servant wait? When will you execute judgment on my persecutors? The arrogant have dug pits for me. They violate your instruction. All your commands are true. People persecute me with lies. Help me. They almost ended my life on earth, but I did not abandon your precepts. Give me life in accordance with your faithful love. I will obey the decree you have spoken. So a lot's happening here in these verses, verses 81 through 88. Uh, 88 in the longest chapter of all of scripture but we see the life that the author knew his life now it doesn't resemble that and he has all sorts of feelings and questions that he's wrestling with maybe you're here today and you have some feelings and some questions that you're wrestling with that's why we gravitate to the book of psalms so much in our life because the book of psalms is written in a genre known as lament and so often throughout life we struggle and we have questions and when we read the book of psalms and we pick it up and the words of it come to us, it it relates to us in specific ways. And so today, in verses 81 through 84, we see this feeling of feeling good for nothing, feeling good for nothing. Have you ever felt that way? I remember an encounter I had with a gentleman, Mr. Bill Meredith. He was a member of church previously that I served at, and Mr. Bill had some, some heart issues. Mr. Bill was a great man, uh, a, wor- a world-renowned scientist when it came to cotton. Worked at Stoneville his entire career. Um, went, went on his first mission trip in his 80s when we went to Belarus back in 2007. Just a great man with a heart for the Lord. But, but he did have some, some heart trouble, some physical heart trouble. And it landed him in the hospital. I remember going to, to stand by his bedside and, and talk with him and visit with him and have prayer with him. And he was, the, the, just the environment in that room was just thick with frustration. He was just frustrated because he didn't want to be there. Who wants to be in the hospital, right? And, and so he was, he, was just, he was just upset, and he was just so frustrated, and he made the comment, I just, I just feel worthless. I feel good for nothing. And that's kind of what we see happening with the psalmist here. What, what he had always known no longer was he was walking through all of this and he had that feeling of, I just don't feel good for anything. I, I just don't I, don't, I don't feel good right now. I'm, I'm good for nothing. And the psalmist expresses this sentiment for us here. And, and he uses some key words here. In, in the beginning of this passage in verse 81, he uses the term long. He says, I long for your salvation That term in the original language of the Old Testament, the term that we translate long, it it has a specific sense with it, and the sense of that term is to waste away to become physically weaker. So he's feeling good for nothing. He's not what he once was. He didn't have what he once had. He he feels as though he's wasting away physically and mentally, that his life is changing so fast around him that he just feels good for nothing, and he's longing for the lord to save him he's longing for the lord's salvation he knows that there is more though he knows that there is more than this feeling now now let's just take a detour right there okay because a lot of times in life we go about life based on how we feel right but in these moments where we may feel good for nothing that's when we need to turn to the truth of god's word Because our lives should be grounded in the truth of God's word, not grounded within our feelings at the moment. And so that's what he shows us. He gives us an example of that. He says, I long for your salvation. And then he says, I put my hope in your what? I put my hope in your word. Now that word hope is key there as well. It's a contrast to this longing. He's expressed his longing that he's physically weaker, that he's fading away, that he feels good for nothing. But he has hope. Because he puts his hope in the word of the Lord. Now, the term hope, it has this idea of to wait, to look forward. To wait and to look forward. So what's happening here is, in, in the essence of this term, what he's saying here is, he's not just looking for something that will make him feel better. He's not just looking for something that, that shows that things, his circumstances are going to get better. That's not what that word hope means in this passage. What that word hope means is that he looks to the Lord and knows that the Lord's will will come to fruition. That's true hope. Hope is not looking out on the horizon and seeing all of my circumstances and saying, well, one day it's going to get better. That's not what hope is when it comes to being a follower of the Lord Jesus and a believer of the one true living God. Hope is. In this term and what the psalmist gives us an example of, hope is saying, I trust in the Lord. I put my hope in him and him alone that his plan and his goodness and his will will come to fruition in my life. And, friend, that's true hope. He's laid it out there. He says, I'm longing. Everything's different. I'm wasting away. But what am I going to do? Am I going to wallow in that feeling? No. He says, I'm going to put my hope in the one true living God. I'm going to put my hope in the Lord. And friend, I encourage you today, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord in spite of how you feel. Put your hope in the Lord in spite of the circumstances that are on your horizon. Put your hope in the Lord no matter how rocky and difficult the terrain to get here this morning was. Place your hope in the Lord trusting in the one true living God that he and he alone will provide and intervene for you in your life he continues on and he says this he says my eyes grow weary looking for what you've promised I ask when will you comfort me though I have become like wineskin dried by smoke he wonders when this page is going to turn that's just being honest right you know, it's okay to be honest with the Lord. It's okay for you to ask the Lord questions. Did you realize that the God of the universe that created everything out of nothing by his word, he has big enough shoulders to handle our questions. Amen. So you can take your questions to the Lord. You can ask, Lord, how much longer? That's what the psalmist is doing here. How much longer until a new chapter comes? How much longer until this season changes? How much longer? And then he gives a very specific illustration of how he's feeling. But it's one you and I may not recognize. We may not fully understand it. He says here, I have become like wineskin dried by smoke. What does he mean by that? Basically, he means I've become hardened. I've become dark. I've become good for nothing. That's what he means. You see, in the ancient day, they would use animal skins to make these makeshift bottles, if you will, to carry liquids. And, and I want to read you a description of this, so we, the, the, we all get on the same page and we get it right this morning, of what scholars direct us to when we understand what this phrase, I become like a wineskin dried by smoke, means. So stay with me. I want to I read this quote with you. This is, what, this is what scholars say. Bottles made of animal skin were often hung in tents and other places where they were subject to deteriorate, deteriorating, action of smoke from cook and campfire. So let's just pause in the quote right there. So just imagine we're, we're, we're kind of out in the area, the open area. We've got the tent set up. We've used the, the, the skin of the animal a, as the bottle, and now it's hanging in the tent, and it's around where we're cooking, and that smoke is continually hitting where it's hanging, right? All right so so that, that's kind of the, the picture here. He goes on to say, In some cases, skins of wine were deliberately hung In the smoke to give the wine a a peculiar flavor, excuse me. And so here it's hanging. Somebody may do it intentionally to make that wine have that different taste, that different flavor, that kind of thing. And then they go on to say, when skin bottles were were long exposed to smoke, they became black, hard, and shriveled, good for nothing. That is the sense of the figure of speech in our verse, friend. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you can relate to that. You've just been hanging out in the fire of this life. All the circumstances, all the frustration, all the heartache, all the broken promises, all the financial issues, all the family hurt and heartache, all this and more has been like a fire and the smoke has just been welling up, welling up. And you, like the psalmist, feel dried, feel shriveled you feel like you're cracking and everything's about to break maybe you can relate to feeling good for nothing you see god's word is real friend god's word is not candy coated god's word doesn't always have that that bow on top it speaks to our heart it speaks into our situation because maybe too just like the psalmist we feel good for nothing And even though he feels good for nothing, what does he do? He places his hope in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord despite his feelings. And that begs us to ask this question. Where have I placed my hope? In my life, as I begin a new week today, and as I'm going back to to my routine on Monday morning, where am I placing my hope today? Where have I placed my hope in the past? And can I continue to place my hope there? Or will I, by faith, place my hope in the Lord? You see, in spite of our feelings, we have to turn to the truth of God's word. You see, the the psalmist, he not only feels good for nothing, he resides in a place where there is nothing good. And we see that in verses 85 through 86. Let's reread those together. He says, The arrogant have dug pits for me. They violate your instruction. All your commands are true, people persecute me with lies, help me. He's in a desperate situation, right? He's in a desperate moment, in a desperate situation. He is in a pit of persecution. So not only does he feel good for nothing, but the second thing we see happening here is that he's in a pit of persecution. I remember my aunt and uncle I've grown up around a pool all my life and they had a pool and that's where we swam every summer and spring break and all that good stuff and their pool had a liner in it and so it was time for that liner to be replaced because it had gone it had ran its course and so when I was in high school I was down in that pool helping my uncle Jerry and my cousin and others work on getting that liner put back in the pool so we could swim and have fun that summer and I want to tell you, it was like being in a pit, okay? Because it was South Mississippi, it was 100% humidity, it was 1,000 degrees, and it was nasty, right? And I remember looking up at my aunt and my mom and all them, and they'd bring us Gatorade and something to drink, and we, it felt like being in a pit. It really did. And this is what the psalmist is saying here. Because of all the arrogance around him, because of all the people that, that are lying about him and tr- treating him terribly, He feels as though he is in this pit of persecution. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can feel the pressure and feel like that you're in this pit. Now, granted, we don't face persecution like our brothers and sisters around the globe face persecution. We don't don't face it face to face like they do. But that doesn't mean that the devil is not out there on the prowl, right? Right? It doesn't mean that the devil isn't trying to trip us up, that he's not trying to tempt us, that he's not using something in our life to bring about this feeling and this sense of being in this pit, being left alone, being persecuted in some form or fashion. And You may be watching and listening today, and you may be saying, that's exactly where I am. I'm looking up, and I feel like I'm in this pit of persecution. I, I relate to the psalmist. I feel good for nothing, and I, and I see what he's saying as he looks on the horizon out there, and he feels like he's down in this pit of persecution. It is a season of waiting. And if there's one thing we've learned recently, we don't necessarily like to wait, right? We don't like to wait. But that doesn't mean God doesn't place us into a season of waiting. And that's where the psalmist finds himself. But he's sharing his heart. He's sharing what's happening. He says, the arrogant have dug pits for me. They violate your instructions. So what's he saying there? It's like, Lord, this isn't fair. They're arrogant. They don't listen to your word. I'm the one listening to your word, but yet I'm in this pit of persecution. But that didn't, his feeling did did not move him away from the truth of who the Lord is and what the Lord wanted to do. He says, all your commands are true. So so he shows there, he says, hey, the arrogant are after me. I'm in this pit of persecution, but you know what? Even in this season of waiting, all your commands are true. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he throws them out. It means that he continues to trust and obey the commands of the Lord. In spite of his feeling that he was good for nothing, like a wineskin that was hung up and dried and cracked and in spite of all the arrogant people that didn't believe in the Lord and follow the Lord they had placed him in a pit of persecution if you will in spite of all that he was trusting in the Lord in this season of waiting and he was following the commands of the Lord we become consumed by the focus of time and how long the wait is that's what we think about that's what we focus on most of the time but friend in a season of waiting, it's better to consider what God is doing inside of me when the wait is long. So often we're focused outwardly. So often we're focused on what's, what the circumstance is, that there is a pit, that we are feeling good for nothing. But in the season of waiting, we, it would, we would be better by reframing this, if you will, to say, what is God doing on the inside of me in the season of waiting? Am I trusting him how am I going to continue to obey him in this season of waiting even when I feel good for nothing even when it seems like I'm persecuted well I trust and place my hope in the Lord that's what we see the psalmist doing here we may have to wait for a season but life will be given and that's where we wrap up in verses 87 through 88 this is what he says let's revisit those last verses they almost ended my life on earth but I did not abandon your precepts. Give me life in accordance with your faithful love, and I will obey the decree you have spoken. Where does the psalmist land in all of this? How does he land the plane? He began saying, I, don't, I feel good for nothing. And then he moved on to say, you know where I reside? You know where my tent is right now? It's in a pit of persecution. But then he trusted the Lord, and he says, Lord, give me life. That's where the infusion takes place. You and I cannot infuse true life into our world. No infusion of life only comes from the source of life, and that is the Lord our God. I remember just a few weeks back, a friend of mine, he had, we were talking on the phone about something, and he started sharing about uh, his family and a little bit about his wife. His wife had been dealing with some physical struggles, and she began to take some vitamins and some supplements. And it really began to help her. It, it took about three months or so, but as she took these vitamins and these supplements, a lot of her energy came back. And it, and it really began to change not only her physical uh, outlook and how she felt physically, but it also helped their relationship because uh, young kids at home and all that kind of stuff. And it just really began to, to bring life back to her with these energy levels and what she could do as a, as a mom and as a wife and all this kind of stuff happening. And it was really a positive conversation to hear that, hey, She didn't give up. She kept trying, and she found this supplement that really did kind of bring their life in their home unit back around, and life was infused in that. And here we see that the psalmist comes back around. He comes back around. Yes, he's been feeling good for nothing. Yes, he's felt like that wineskin that's been hung up and dried out by smoke and and charred by the ways of the world. And yes, he feels like he's been in that pit of persecution. That's, That's where his home has been in this season of waiting. But he goes to the Lord and he says, You are the giver of life. And in these moments, he didn't turn from the Lord. He didn't run from the Lord. He turned to the Lord and he spoke of the faithfulness of the Lord. The faithfulness of the Lord in his word and the faithfulness of the Lord in his love. You see, once again, in Psalm 119, we see that he keeps the Lord's precepts. He said, they almost ended my life on earth. That's pretty drastic, right? That's pretty bold. They were coming after me, and I felt like it, my life was going to be over, but I kept your precepts. I did not abandon your precepts. friend. I just want to pause right there and say, if you've abandoned the Lord in your life, If you're watching and listening today, if, if you've abandoned the Lord because you think the Lord failed you in some form or fashion, I want to encourage you to turn to him today. I want you to turn to him today in spite of what you're feeling, in spite of where you're at, in spite of what's going on. I want you to turn to the Lord today because that is the moment, that is the step where life will be infused into your life. And that's where we wind up. He says, give me life in accordance with your faithful love. In accordance with your faithful love. So just like the strings on a guitar or the, 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 the keys on a piano, as they come together and they bring about that beautiful sound, the, the precepts of the Lord and his faithful love are strummed together to bring about life that you and I need. And he's the only source of it. He's the only source, the giver of life. And I want to share with you some scriptures about the faithful love of the Lord today. And I want you to be encouraged because you may be like the psalmist. You may feel good for nothing. And you may be like the psalmist. You may be in a season of waiting where you feel like where your your tent is pitched is in the pit of persecution. But, friend, I'm here to tell you and I'm here to encourage you this morning that there is a giver of life who has faithful love for you, who has not left you, who has not abandoned you, who is real in your life and can give you that life you need. Let's, let's go to Deuteronomy 7-9. Just listen to these. Maybe you jot them down, and you can go back to them this week. But Deuteronomy 7-9. Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant loyally loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes this. If we are faith, faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Paul writes in Romans, chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. Listen to this. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friend, you know what we learned from this passage today? We learned that there is a giver of life. No matter how we feel or where we reside, there is a giver of life who wants to infuse life into your heart and into my heart for all of eternity. And we see what this this main principle, and I want to leave you with this this morning. If you want to hear me say anything else today, hear me say this, this one last principle. Faithful love gives abundant life. Faithful love gives abundant life. Will you say that with me this morning? Faithful love gives abundant life. The faithful love of the Lord. No matter how we feel, no matter if we're in that season of waiting or not, the faithful love of the Lord will give abundant life you can place your hope in him you can place your trust in him you can be encouraged today to know that the once you're living God he knows your name and he has not abandoned you no matter how you feel or where you're at and I want to encourage you today I want you to, I want you to know this giver of life if you're watching today listen today I want you to know the giver of abundant life his faithful love abounds and he will infuse life into yours Turn to him today. I want you to experience this abundant life, this real hope, this real hope in a struggling, heartbroken world. I want you to know the giver of life. I want you to be close to the giver of life. I want you to be infused with life, life that is abundant and life that brings hope. This is what we see from the psalmist. He went from feeling good for nothing to knowing that the good creator, the giver of life, never left his side. Friend, that's available for you and me today. Even though we may feel good for nothing, even though we may be in that season of waiting, we can know from the truth of God's word that he hasn't changed, that he hasn't left, that he is present, and that his faithful love gives abundant life. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you today, and we thank you for your faithful love. We thank you that you are a life giver, that you are gracious, that your mercies are new each and every day, Lord, there may be one here today, there may be one listening today. It may be the day of salvation for them. Maybe for too long, they've tried to go about it their own way. They've placed their hope in the things of this world. But today you're calling them home. Maybe someone in this room, maybe after we dismiss, you want to stay back. You need someone to pray with you or talk with you. I would love to be that person today. Maybe you're in that season of waiting right now. You feel like you're in that pit of persecution, just like the psalmist. And maybe today, you need someone to pray with you in that season of waiting. If you'll stick around after we dismiss, I want to talk with you and pray with you. Maybe you're watching today, you want to send us a direct message online. We would want to journey with you moving forward, God. God, we ask that you would make this happen. We ask that you would move and work in a way that only you could get the credit for Lord. And I pray that as we leave this place today and we enter back into the marketplace, we enter back into our jobs, we enter back into our families, and we start our, our Monday routines, Lord, I pray that we would seek you, the giver of life, and know that your faithful love gives abundant life. May we live that out. May it be portable for us to share with someone this week, someone we work with, someone that's in our family, someone that lives down the street, someone we run into at the store. Whatever the case may be, I pray that you would, you would make a way where our path intersects with someone else's path and we could share with them that there is a life giver and that your faithful love gives abundant life. Lord, we ask that you would have your way among us and be glorified in this place. Use us as your church as we move forward this week. We pray this in your precious, powerful, holy name. Amen.